Today we celebrate the mystery of the resurrection. When we in the church talk about mysteries, we're not talking about things that are hidden from us. Instead, what we mean by the word mystery is something that is revealed to us but that can't be explained or understood, something that we can't grasp logically. We often think of the sacraments. There's the Eucharist, or Holy Communion. In the prayers and through the Holy Spirit, the bread and wine become for us the presence of Christ. And yet, by all outward appearances, they remain just bread and wine. In baptism, ordinary water becomes the means of God's grace. It doesn't look any different, but we know ourselves to be changed by it. There's the incarnation. Jesus of Nazareth is human. He ages, experiences laughter and pain, breathes the same air that we do, and dies. But we know him to be God. Eternal, ageless, never changing in love and purpose. There's a common thread here. God uses the ordinary things of this world to reveal God's self to us. And yet, with eyes of faith, we know them to be different, to be more than they appear. They are the same and yet somehow new, like what we find with resurrection. In today's gospel passage from John, Mary Magdalene comes to Jesus' tomb on the first day of the week and finds the stone removed from the entrance. Distraught, she runs to tell Peter and the beloved disciple what she's found. The two disciples take off to the tomb and find it empty, with the grave cloths just lying there. They go inside. We're then told that the beloved disciple saw and believed. Of course, we have no idea what it was that he believed, because the very next phrase tells us that they don't yet understand the scriptures. They don't understand that the Messiah would rise from the dead. The two disciples go home, but Mary stays at the tomb weeping. That's when it happens. She meets the resurrected Jesus. Of course, she doesn't recognize him. His body is different. But when he calls her name, she knows his voice. A little later in the Gospel of John, he walks through closed doors, but his hands still bear the wounds of being nailed to the cross. He's the same, yet somehow different. What we find is that there is both a continuity and a discontinuity to resurrection. That continuity is why Jesus' resurrection isn't just about life after death. We could conceive of a continuing journey of the soul, a disembodied future, without any bodily resurrection. But what we see in the resurrection is that God doesn't abandon this world and leave creation behind. Instead, God transforms it. God is at work making a new heaven and a new earth. In fact, God is at work even now redeeming this earth and making it new. So why is that important? Why does the church's proclamation of a physical resurrection that is not just about me, but about the whole world, make any difference at all? Well, because it means that what we do in the here and now really matters. 
And as N.T. Wright says, it matters forever. Bishop Wright puts it this way. The resurrection of Jesus means that the present time is shot through with great significance. What is done to the glory of God in the present is genuinely building for God's future. Acts of justice and mercy. The creation of beauty and the celebration of truth. Deeds of love and the creation of communities of kindness and forgiveness. These all matter, and they matter forever. Take away the resurrection, and these things are important for the present, but irrelevant for the future, and hence not all that important even now. Because resurrection doesn't leave creation behind, our work in the world matters to the coming of the kingdom of heaven. Our work is part of the coming of the kingdom of heaven, part of making all things new. But of course, this is only a portion of the story. As surely as there is continuity within resurrection, there is discontinuity as well. Resurrection always ultimately comes to us as gift, as pure grace, as radical newness, as rebirth. When we experience resurrection, we know deep inside that it is not of our own doing or our own making. It always comes from outside ourselves. There's a reason that we say Jesus was raised from the dead. There is, with resurrection, a moment of absolute discontinuity, of death, and then of sheer gift that lies on the other side of that death. And I think this is very good news. We have only to look at our own lives to see and know that even our best efforts often land us in dark places. Not to mention the times in our lives when we intentionally choose paths that lead us away from true life. We all inevitably experience failure in our jobs, broken relationships, and addictions, be they to alcohol, drugs, food, busyness, material goods, success, or even victimhood. We inevitably experience aging bodies, sicknesses, unfulfilled dreams, lost loves, and death. And yet even in these places where our own efforts seem useless and the road appears to come to an end, even here God meets us with the possibility of new life. Someone has said that Easter is about the absurd announcement that there is no death so dead that God cannot find life in it. Easter is about the absurd announcement that there is no death so dead that God cannot find life in it. Even in the darkest places in our lives and in the world, God comes and speaks a word of life and love more powerful than anything else. It's sheer gift. That's the paradox of the resurrection. The resurrection tells us that the work we do matters, and it matters forever. And yet new life, when and where we find it, is always grace. It is always a pure gift from God. In her book, Pilgrim at Tinker Creek, Annie Dillard seems to speak to this paradox when she describes stalking muskrats. It took her years to learn to stalk muskrats. If they see any movement, they flee immediately, taking off into the bushes or diving underwater. There are two methods, she says, of stalking muskrats. The first is a via negativa, a waiting. 
putting yourself in the place where muskrats pass and then sitting completely still. The other method of stalking is more active. It sometimes involves taking gliding steps with your weight distributed as widely as possible, low to the ground, ready to stop the very second a muskrat turns in the direction from which you're approaching. Sometimes her stalking is a mixture of the two methods. Annie Dillard describes sitting on a small pedestrian bridge where she sometimes waited for muskrats. Her eyes focused a few feet upstream where she knew a den of muskrats to be. When a muskrat would appear in the stream, she would watch, completely still. Then when he swam under the bridge, she would have no more than five seconds to spin her body around so that she could watch him swim downstream on the other side of the bridge. It was hard work, because if she took too long and was still moving when the muskrat came out from under the bridge, it was all over. He would dive under the water not to be seen again. One day she was watching a muskrat swim back and forth under the bridge. Dillard's own actions coordinated with his as she switched positions quickly each time he went under the bridge and then froze as soon as he reappeared. On one of his trips under the bridge, she lost sight of him. To her disbelief, he appeared right there beside her, feeding on weeds close enough for her to touch. This moment had taken patience and hard work, the work of waiting and the work of purposeful, controlled movement. But even with patience and hard work, this particular moment wasn't guaranteed. It couldn't even have been predicted. When that muskrat appeared close enough for her to touch, it was pure grace, sheer gift. Resurrection comes to us both as mission and as gift. But it's precisely the promise of gift and grace that enables us to go to those places in the world that need resurrection, roll up our sleeves, and do the hard work that walking in the footsteps of Jesus always is. And we do that work with joy and hope, trusting that God is indeed making all things new. We do it trusting that the risen Christ is at work in us, bringing new life in places we least expect it. We do it trusting that there is no place so dark, not even death, that the light of Christ doesn't penetrate that darkness. We do it trusting that resurrection isn't the end of the journey, although it is that, it isn't just that, but that it also comes to us all along the way. And we do it trusting that the resurrected Christ will meet us again and again, if only we have the eyes to see him. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia.